Right, I'm going to ask our uh, friends that are going to be sharing the testimonies to come on up onto the stage. So long, please, while they're doing that. I want to just read um, an extract from a book I was uh, reading recently called The Rest of God, written by Mark Buchanan, and just referring to this discipline of, of thanksgiving. Um, he was explaining how, how actually the longer we walk with God, um, the, the closer we should be drawing to him, and the closer we're drawing to him, the bigger he should actually become. Some of you have been around long enough in life to know that the longer you live, the smaller a lot of things in life become. But God's the one person who actually, the closer you get to him and the longer you walk with him and the more mature you become, you actually realize, like, I thought I knew you, but you're actually so much bigger, so much better than I ever, I thought you were good, you're even better. I thought you were kind, you're even kinder. I thought you were generous and faithful, you're even more generous and faithful. And so he says, the best way I know to embody this Godward orientation is thankfulness. Thankfulness, I love this, is a secret passageway into a room you cannot find any other way. Thankfulness is a secret passageway into a room that you cannot find any other way. And I, I've got to just tell you, I've experienced that in my own life where the more I actually give God attention and, and thank Him for things He has done, it's amazing how, how it just kind of leads to the next and the next. It allows you to discover the rest of God, those dimensions of God's world, God's presence, and God's character that are hidden always from the thankless. Some of us get so miff and we just become more miff because we're miff and <laughs> because we're thankless, like we just feel like we, go, we keep going down that spiral further and further. Well, that's probably exactly what's happening. He goes on to say that ingratitude is actually a type of eye disease. It sees only flaws, scars, and scarcity. And likewise, the God, small g, the God of the thankless is wary, stingy, grudging, bumbling, and nitpicky. If you think God is stingy, nitpicky, and small-minded, that's probably more of an accurate reflection of our own uh, ingratitude, our own thanklessness. Then he goes on, I'll end with this, that you cannot practice thankfulness on a biblical scale without it altering the way you see. And the more you do it, the more you find cause for doing it. So, so it might start off as a discipline, but the more you do it, the more you find reason to do it. Inherent in a life of thanksgiving is an ongoing discovery of God's sufficiency, His generosity, His fatherly affection, and warrior protection. Doesn't that sound like something you want to experience more of? More of a confidence in God, more of a sense of His goodness, His faithfulness. And so, so we're going to be sharing a few testimonies here this evening. Um, some of them are dating back quite a while. Um, others are slightly more recent. But, but the goal is just to... Uh, hopefully encourage you and help you to see, in fact, in everyone's case, you'll find that it was, everything wasn't just amazing and perfect. I mean, won the lottery and woo, you know, um, how, but how God actually brought good out of various circumstances. And so my hope is that, is that you will be encouraged and stirred to, to give God, not, not, a token, not, not a token thanks, but a sincere thanks as we break bread together, take communion at the end of the service and give you an opportunity to reflect a little bit. So I'm going to start off with Natasha on the far right-hand side over here. And Natasha, as you can see, serves in uh, Kids Church uh, or Tots. Is it Tots or Kids Church? Okay, just so you know, anytime I say Kids Church, I mean all kids. I, I, I'm sorry, Tammy. I know I should separate between Tots and 
Okay, sure. Um, so, so just so you know, one of the questions that we've asked them just to kind of think about is what it is that they're grateful for and why they are grateful for it. So, Natasha, what is it that you are grateful for and why? Um, I'm grateful for relationship. Um, with, with God? With God, yes. Um, Sorry, no, no, I'm not being funny. I just want to clarify. <laughs> yeah, what is? So, I probably should start with the, the first time I came here. Okay, so I was invited by a friend. Um, I was quite hesitant, but um, after a couple of invites, I finally came. Um, I was very overwhelmed because I was late. So I sat in the back, right there in the back. You can't see anything, so that was the great spot for coming late. And um, I had a four-year-old. I still have a boy. He's six now. Um, He's not used to church. He just started jumping on each chair at the back row. And I was like, uh, irritated. And everybody was looking at the back. And I'm like, bye, boy. You got a problem? So um, I missed the entire sermon. And um, when I looked again, praise and worship came up. And they sang one more song. And I love praise and worship. Even tried it. So um, in that moment, I, something happened in the while the praise and worship was on, and I felt this very unfamiliar feeling. And um, unfortunately, service ended. Couldn't um, investigate or just figure out what it was. So I went home. My friend invited me the second time, and I was like, yes, I'm coming. And this, over time, towards the Sunday, this in- feeling became more intense. And uh, Sunday came, I made sure I was on time. I never sat in the dark this time. And um, Martin shared a sermon, and she mentioned the wind, how the wind is something you cannot see, but if you feel the breeze, you're 100% sure it's the wind. You you believe it's the wind. But people have a tendency, just because you can't see, when it comes to God, you can't see him, so you doubt his his very existence. So um, that was a... Eye-opener for me. That was like a perspective change. I literally sat on the edge of my seat because I felt like, wow, God could be real. And then um, I leaned in a bit and I listened more and I was like, God, if this is you, tell me what is my next step. She's um, Martin shared in a sermon about a story of the walls of Jericho. The people walked around this wall for seven whole days and she expressed the frustration, how tired they were. They walked one, two, three, seven, and nothing changed. I was like, God, I was desperate. I was heading for my, we were heading for our, for our seventh anniversary. And I was like, oh my word, breakthrough, seventh anniversary, I just have to hang in there. So um, it was coming up and um, I was frustrated and tired for the past six years. And I was like, this is breakthrough. I stuck around and um, joined immediately Growth Track, um, Life Group, and I did Freedom. Um, after that, I think, yeah, you probably want to know whether the circumstances have changed. Well, no. <laughs> Something else did. I, in, when I joined Growth Track, I found purpose. When I joined a Life Group, I gained a family that encouraged me daily. When I started Freedom, I found freedom. (laughs) In freedom, there was a scripture that basically was the moment of revelation where God showed me his plan for me. It was somewhere in Isaiah where he said, forget about all that and 
um, you, there's so much more in store. I've begun already. Can't you see it? I was like, okay. And then I realized if what the, that was part of the process. And God wanted a relationship with me. That's all he wanted. He wanted me to, to lean on him and not on my own understanding. And that's where Breakthrough came. And he's been that rock that I lean to all the time. Amazing. Anyway. Thank you, Sasha. So, so just to be clear, everything didn't just change dramatically. There was no pixie dust or magic wand. But, but you feel like something has changed on the inside in terms of your relationship with God. Yes, definitely. Um, I found... Um, Freedom, I found purpose, I found family. Um, God is my hope. In my relationship, as long as I've got a relationship with him, everything else can just fly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <you know? laughs> well, actually, that's what I was about to ask you, and this might be a bit of a strange question, okay. but, but if you could have whatever that particular circumstance was changed, but not have the relationship, the purpose, the family, would that be a hard decision for you? No. I'd rather have a relationship with God. Um, he's powerful. He's, a, he's my father. He is my helper. He is my comforter. He's everything to me. And I won't change that for anything. Brilliant. I've been through many challenges, and he just seems to be there with me. And it will never. I can't. Good. <laughs> Good. And, and I must just say one more thing before we move on to Ryan. Um, I've seen, so it is almost two years now, I'm two guessing. Years, yes. um, I've seen the most incredible um, tenacity and perseverance in Natasha. Um, if she comes to serve in one of the services, she'll make sure that she sits in one of the other services to, to get into church. And in fact, I think there have been Sundays where you'll be at all three services just to get as much as you can and has tried out the worship team and tried out different things. Um, again, has been game for whatever, whatever's available, and I think that, and I think we can see fruit of that. So, I think that's phenomenal. Yeah. Very, very good. If I could add a side note, the unfamiliar feeling that I experienced was the thirst for God, for wanting more, and every time, even in a challenge, that same familiar, unfamiliar feeling just arises, and I know and trust it's Him. Wow! Yeah. Brilliant, brilliant. Thank you, Natasha. Ryan. Some of, you, uh, some of you know Ryan. I know he's been around since he was about 13. Even though he looks 30, he's only just gone 21. Okay. Uh, that is a bit I'm of a teasing. stretch. I'm teasing. 22, at least. <laughs> Martine likes it that she doesn't look 30 as well. And she's not 30, just so you know. <laughs> Martine's not 30. She's 31. She's not 30. <laughs> uh, so Ryan's been with us since, since uh, the age of 13. That is correct. Um, uh, I think your mom kind of dragged you to church, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, very much so. Yeah, I was. So I've never been to. So up until I was 13, I'd never been to church. I was always raised with like, oh yeah, no God, the whole oh, Jesus God thing, whole all of that. Um, but never actually had a personal revelation of it. And then um, my mom was actually sitting in a meeting with Ivan and another lady from our Tableview congregation, um, and they were supposed to be meeting about some finance thing and Ivan and this lady are just going off on church and just talking about church 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 and mom's like but like hold on we're meeting hold on relax like afterwards have lunch break but we're talking now and then um eventually she's just like okay cool what is this whole church thing where where is this church um he's like no it's in Milton at that point it was in Lagoon Beach um he's like just come through on Sunday so we came through on Sunday 
Um, mom pretty much dragged me there. Because I was, it's, it's early, guys. For someone who's, who's normally used to sleeping in on a Sunday at like 12 a.m., like 12 a.m. you wake up, it's like, ah, good morning, it's good. Um, yeah, we, we sleep strong. <laughs> and, if, and if you were to look back over the last seven, eight years, what, what is one of the biggest things that you, that you are grateful for to God in that time? Um, definitely the men in my life. So the men that have, so for those of you who don't know, which is probably the majority of you, I have never met my father. So he left and I was like two weeks old. Um, I've seen him on a picture once and he's like disappointed in the picture. So he was, there was never really anything from his side and anything from my side where I wanted to get to know him. Um, never try to find out where he lives or what his surname is or anything. I literally don't even know his surname. Um, don't know if he's alive, dead, whatever. Um, so I never had a father figure. My mom, my, my uncle, my mom's brother, was we had a bit of a there was a bit of a fallout in the family, so I never really had him to look to. Um, so then I came to church, met a few people through serving, um, yeah, and then they pretty much showed me how to be a man, and they showed me everything that I know today. Was this mostly because of the the life group? Yeah, that you guys joined. Yeah, so my mom joined a life group, which is a good thing to do. If you don't in a life group, please join a life group. It is insane for what it can do to you. Um, so then joined a life group, and I was obviously just my mom's kid. So I pulled up with her because I don't want to be at home alone. And then um, was there with a bunch of like 30 to 40-year-olds, and I was 13. Not in that picture. In that picture, I was, what, 18? Yeah, anyways. Um, yeah, so pulled up, and so I kind of got adopted, like one of their kids. Um, and, which was very strange for me because I didn't know exactly what it was like to have an older male love you because I never experienced it. So being there and having them show me, like, Ryan, this is, this is how you save. This is why you should save. This is, this is what this does and this is what this means and things that they don't teach you in school um, and that your dad would normally teach you. So I had those guys teaching me that and we, they were called the hairy angels. So Auntie Anne, the that lady uh she uh, we had a group where we would help like from the live group we had a group where we would help her with uncle mike every night um and kind of help him to bed because he had motor neuron disease so he couldn't really he couldn't walk he couldn't do anything for himself so we would go there in the evenings help pick him up and like move him to the room and put him to bed and that would be it we'd just spend a bit of time with him and spend a bit of time with how many years they gone for uh from that i was 13 till about last year so a few years. I don't want to maths. Seven. Thank you. I, I knew that. <sighs> Anyways. <laughs> yeah, so went on for seven years, and it was a, 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 a difficult time to seeing, for me, seeing how he would deteriorate, but it was also a great time for me because it brought all of us closer. Um, so as he got worse, we all pulled closer to Auntie Anne, and that's pulling all of us together as well. Um, and then in matric, um, for my matric dance, obviously, they helped, they took me to go and get my suit for matric dance, um, and kind of like showed me like, okay, this is what a good suit looks like, and da, da, da. Um, and then before I could even tell my mom, like, okay, this is the one that we've decided to pick, and how are we going to pay for it and anything, everyone just chipped in and paid for it. So before we could even do anything, they all paid for my suit. And at the moment, I'm like, oh, that was a very nice thing for you guys to do, and carried on my life. But then later on, I realized that 
how much that actually meant to me because of, it's like, but you guys, I'm not related to you. I'm not your son. You guys just adopted me and spent quite a bit of money on a suit. And it's like, why? So it was, yeah. So that was my experience with the group. And, and, and just before we move on to, to the others, Ryan, maybe just close the loop on the, perhaps the, the wound or the scar relating to your dad. Do you feel like God helped um, bring closure and, and healing to that? Definitely. Um, but I think that only came through doing freedom. Um, so before freedom, I always thought that I had it under control. I was like, yeah, you know, I've done, I've dealt with it. It's over. I've forgiven, forget type of thing. Um, came freedom and um, I was realizing that I was getting angry about things that I really shouldn't be getting angry about. Things that are small and insignificant. I was losing my temper completely. Uh, turns out I had daddy issue. Who would have think? Um, so freedom helps with that where it would take your the overlying issue, or the underlying issue. So here's your, um, I think I'm just angry about certain things, but deep down I'm actually like got dad issues. And that was what freedom dealt with. Um, so Ivan, who I've mentioned before, he, he was on the prayer team. So basically how freedom works is you sitting in rows and there's worship music playing and then we all stand, or one by one stand up and you go and get individual prayer, which is for me the best part of freedom. It's when you, you can hear from God the best for me, I think. Um, yeah, and so I went up first session, and I don't get emotional. By the way, I cope with through humor. So I've cried about five times in my life, if that. When he says it doesn't get emotional, anger is an emotion. It no, but like, I mean, cry. I don't cry. Okay. It's a, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I knew, yeah. I knew Ryan. Ryan would get angry, but but but, but yeah, he wouldn't cry. I agree. Yeah, I wouldn't cry. Um, so yeah, I cope with emotion. I cope with humor. You would hear this because I'm making stupid jokes. Anyways, um, so first session came through, stood up, went to the back, went and went to Ivan. I'm like, oh, no, it's Ivan. I'm going to cry this session. I can feel it. <laughs> went to the front, and Ivan's like, okay, what can we pray for? And I'm like, I want to forgive my dad. And he broke down. I broke down because he knew how much of an issue that was for me and how, heavy, how hard it was for me to say those words. Um, he prayed for me. And then he gave me a picture that he felt God sent to him of, I'm going to draw a, a box in my head, like a sandpit. And, on the, and then in the middle, draw a line. On the one half is all my pain, unforgiveness, and hatred towards my dad. On the other line is the freedom and me walking with this weight off my shoulders. And he says, now that I've said it, I've forgiven my dad, boom. Line's drawn in the sand. I can now cross over to that new side. The moment we said amen, I walked away. I, I kid you not, I felt 20 kilograms lifted off my shoulders. It was an insane feeling, and I, didn't, I can't really explain what it felt like. It, it literally just felt like I was so much lighter. Mm-hmm. Things that I thought I didn't have was taken away, and I was replaced with, and it was filled with the Holy Spirit, which is the best part about it. Mm-hmm. Come on. Thank you, Ryan. And, and by the way, so this was, this was in May last year. Um, and I can honestly tell you, I have seen a. So I knew Ryan before, and I, I've seen, I've know, I know Ryan since. And I mean, even just from the next day, I could see the most incredible shift. And um, and and that wasn't just a momentary thing. So I've seen a long-lasting, fruit-bearing shift yeah. uh, again. It's, it's because of it's, and everyone's still on a journey. So no one's got got it all together. But I've seen again. I've just seen a determination. And a, and a perseverance, and 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 
there's just been a lot of fruit um, where Ryan has then become that guy to a lot of other teenage boys and, and all the rest. And so it really is a great, I think Ryan is a great walking testimony. So it really is, is very encouraging. Um, so Jason Dutoy, great name on the end of the row over here. Um, I've known Jason probably for about 20 years, I would imagine. And many of you know Jason uh, well too. Um, uh, we, we were chatting I don't know, maybe a month or two ago, and, and he was just going into a little bit more detail about a couple of challenges that, that I remember him having um, over the years. But, but the way that he spoke about it really impacted me and just the, the, the gratitude for the pain, um, for, what, for, for the good that came out of that. And I just, I couldn't not ask Jason to actually just share a little bit at this particular service. So Jason, can you maybe just give us a little bit of detail about both events um, what happened and the good that you felt came out of that? Okay. Um, so uh, in 2001, I was in quite a bad bike accident, and I ended up uh, in hospital. Uh, I broke my arms and my legs, and I ended up in a coma for two weeks. I was on a ventilator. Dom was also on a ventilator. <laughs> <laughs> it's a special club. You can join us if you really want. Um, and... Um, yeah, it, it was quite serious, and uh, my family obviously were, were very torn up, and people who loved me, uh, there were quite a lot of complications through the whole. Later on, I'd find out um, I had some eye damage. I don't see as well as I should now, and um, my brain doesn't work as sharply as it did, and um, I don't remember faces and names, and I can't tell you events back in sequence so to retell a story or even to remember things that happened to me. Um, when I came up out of the coma, I was, <clears throat> sorry, not very in a good place. I couldn't really remember my address or recognize my dad or people like that. And those things came back slowly over time, normally in a rush. Maybe I'd suddenly recognize someone. Um, so that was quite serious. Like to this day, I can't straighten this arm, and my left leg is a bit bent, and I'm not allowed to put weight on my wrists and you know, various things like that. Um, and that was quite a traumatic thing. I mean, it, it sort of arrests your life where it is. And um, So at that stage in my life, I was quite a hard person. I had been serving God about maybe 10 years, and I knew how much he loved me. Um, I knew who I was, how, who he'd made me, and my, my family really loved me, and um, really that's what family does. I'd been dating a fantastic, wonderful, godly woman for about three years at the time, and she loved me. Um, that's what your girlfriend does. Um, but... That was enough for me. That was my world. There were these people that were close to me, important to me, that showed me love. But because I'm quite a difficult and edge-of-the-bell-curve kind of a person, it's not always easy to approach me or to relate to me in a way. And as a result, over the course of my life, a lot of people had maybe shunned me or didn't show value or need or an interest in me. And I'd sort of kind of got around it by saying, well, listen, God loves me and my parents love me and, you know, I've got a girlfriend, but, you know, if you don't need me or if you don't really care about me, that's fine. 
you just don't have to be part of my life. And it left me kind of hard in a way. And then as I came up out of this coma and started to understand what was happening, um, there, it was difficult at first. I didn't know I was in a hospital and things like that. But as people started to visit me, and I'm talking about people, incidental people. So I was a waiter at the time. I used to um, wait at the Spur, and I used to serve the Sunday night crowd back sort of 20 years in Tableview, the small chips and bottomless coffee and glass of water brigade every like. <laughs> You know, th- this crowd of people would go rock up its boat. And said amen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I actually really enjoyed serving them. I was, I was a Christian. I was at West Coast Christian Fellowship at the time. It's an amazing church as well. And, um, but these people started showing up to visit me. And I wasn't really that aware because they weren't allowed into the ICU. I mean, they'd come and queue up to try to get into the ICU wouldn't get in because they really only let in family. And... Um, but the weight of that, I mean, people from the Methodist Church, people from Tableview AOG, um, which is the precursor to View Church, would rock up to visit me. And um, even later, so when I was discharged, I had to move back in with my dad, a wheelchair to get around most of the time. I couldn't stand up by myself. But every morning, come five o'clock, there'd be five or six guys at the foot of my bed waking me up, praying for me. And these are people that my dad knew or, you know... And it was a real wake-up call that I had value to people outside of the people that were valuable to me. And uh, it helped me to realize just how amazing I am. We're all amazing in our own way, and hopefully most of us realize it. But it, it took a wake-up call like that for me to realize that, that I'm, I'm special in that very, very special way. And so through all of that, my family went through an unbelievable trauma. Um, I, I honestly believe people who go through accidents like that have the easy end of the stick compared to the people who love them. And I can never say I'd want to go through that again because my sister, who was threatening to fly back from England, and my mom, and my, who didn't know God, she was lost. My dad, who knew God, but people tell me how much it affected him. I, I would never go through it again because of that. But if it weren't for that... I would totally go through living my life with a funny bone which is permanently pressed and a skew arm and a lack of eyesight and a brain. And I love my brain, but it just doesn't work like it did. But I'd choose all of that in a heartbeat because of what God gave me through that, that deep and serious understanding and confidence of who I am and how much I matter to people and like the role that I play in their lives. And that's a big thing. But I'd choose it in a heartbeat. And um, the second thing Jason asked me to share about was shortly before, actually, we got married. There's Annie. Hey, Annie, I love you. And um, we we got married, um, but shortly before, about two or three weeks before, Annie was retrenched. Um, I was a full-time student at the time, and I had a small, I think it was 2,000 rand a month or something at the university, a little internship where I did some coding for them. And I, we got back from honeymoon. Well, we'd paid for the honeymoon and the wedding and stuff, so that was done. And got back, and shortly afterwards, I had a chest pain. It wasn't a heart attack, and I was kind of wondering, should I go to hospital? But I just decided, okay, let me go. So I, I just hopped on my bike, and I rode through, and I went in through the trauma ward so I could get a quick appointment. And um, they listened to my heart, and a bright and awake uh, registrar didn't like what he heard. And they got me a, a scan immediately, and um, they discovered I had a huge aneurysm on my aorta, which was threatening to burst. 
Um, so they said, like, listen, you can't go home. You're going to have to have an operation. So they booked me in for a heart operation. Um, Annie was quite distraught. I mean, she's just married, obviously, the man of her dreams. Well, hope, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully. Right? And um, now she suddenly got to reconcile the fact that, well, this is quite a serious operation. Remember, right? that first accident helped with his self-esteem. So, <laughs> so that's okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, but obviously, if she's marrying the guy, he's the man of her dreams. <laughs> um, and... Um, yeah, my, my dad came to fetch my motorbike because I couldn't ride it home and it was parked in the ambulance bay. And um, it was difficult because I could see it, it hit Annie hard. So once again, there's the thing. Where, like when, when you go through a trauma, what you go through, I, I honestly believe, and I've been through traumas, that's the people who care about you that go through far worse. And um, so I had a heart operation and it, it, it stopped me from like practically almost dying. Um, and they tried to fix a related heart valve problem uh, which wasn't quite so successful, and they said I'd have to have another um, operation. And a stenotomy is a very painful thing. I wasn't keen, but I thought, well, I should have it. And we went through this eight-month period where Annie wasn't working. The university continued to pay me 2,000 rand, even though I wasn't working. Um, that's God. Um, but we ate, uh, we were cared for, um, we paid rent, all those things. And even though Academically, yes, we had savings. Um, it's God's provision there. We we couldn't work. We we couldn't really look after ourselves in that way. But but really, it wasn't a bad time. And the the big thing about that whole thing is that Annie and I are incredibly different. I adore her, and she adores me. But we're a special brand of different. And most couples most couples have differences that they reconcile and have to work through. But but in Annie and my case, it's it's exceptional, and we got this really glorious extended honeymoon period, where you know when you've been cut open, and then afterwards you're supposed to recover. What you do, you have to go chill on a beach or go for a gentle walk somewhere. Annie wasn't at work, so she could wake up at two or three in the morning because it it can be traumatic and need a bit of caring afterwards. Even some of the injections I needed. Um, and we got this wonderful window. She didn't have to go to work, and we could do these things. Second operation came around. We were far better prepared for it. It was still difficult. Sure. Sorry, Annie. The, one of the things that stands out so much for me, the night before the first operation, the nurse actually asked, would Annie like to shave my chest? And no, and I can remember that, and she was just crying, crying, crying so much. And so it's a traumatic thing that happened, and yet... Through all of that, we, we bonded in a special way. She cared for me in a special way. I believe that Annie had to give me up. And we all know as Christians that God's got to be number one. And there's always a danger. You fall in love with someone. Can they become your number one? And it was an opportunity for Annie actually to say to God, well, wow, if you take him, I'm still okay because I've got you. So sorry, Annie, I put you through that, but I think we both scored out of that. And once again, it's the same story. Sure, my mom was cut up and my parents and everyone, and if it weren't for them, she was, I'd go through it again because our, our marriage is special. It really is. I recognize that there's, there's something, and I know we've got a lot in our future that God has got for us, but he gave us this window, this beautiful never-ending period where we could just learn to love each other, like, and I'm not be in love, but to love each other. Thanks, Jason. Wow. Very encouraging. Thank you. I, I, 
I hope you're able to pick up that, that even though parts of it could almost sound a little bit romantic, I appreciate that Jason's giving some of the details as well because, because when you're in it and you're having to wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning and you're having to give injections or you're genuinely not sure that your husband will wake up the next day um, or you don't know whether you'll wake up the next day and whether you're going to leave your wife or widow, like those are, those are challenging, scary, traumatic things, by the way. So, so faith, faith is not the absence of fear. In fact, often I think fear is the precursor to faith. So it's, it's, it's often when we don't know and, we, and there is no guarantee and we've got to surrender and, and trust God. And, and um, I, I, yeah, for me, that's one of the common themes actually between, between quite a few of the testimonies and, and you'll hear lastly from Dom as well. Um, and so I just want to be clear, it's great when you hear these stories on the back end when you've come through it. And so, and so hopefully that is encouraging you if you're still going through it. Don't, don't get angry, just get patient. You know, so, so, so don't get angry that, well, why, does, why has it worked out for them? Well, we're talking to Jason about an accident that happened 18 years ago. Um, and, and a hard op that happened, I think, nine years ago. You know, it's, it's, there, there's perspective. And I think sometimes we quit too early, you know, uh, too far from the end, sometimes just around the corner from the end, to actually see the good that God is wanting to bring out of some of these things. So, Dom... Uh, also had a, a fairly traumatic experience, um, and again, not immediately, but down the line, um, good has come from it. Dom, can you maybe just explain a little bit to us about what it is that you're grateful for and why? Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, basically what I kind of learned out of my whole experience was just to be content in any season, so whether you're like going through a bad or a good season, and that's something I'm like super grateful for. Um, so basically what happened was at the end of my second year of varsity, um, it was in 2016, I just became very ill very suddenly. So on a Friday, I started feeling feverish and like I was getting the flu. And then by the Saturday, I was having like multiple seizures. And by the Sunday, I couldn't walk and I, my parents took me to the emergency room. And I got booked into ICU But none of the doctors knew what was wrong with me. So they could just treat the symptoms, um, but they didn't know what was actually causing the illness. So um, my body was in septic shock, and my lungs and my kidneys were failing. And so I was in ICU for quite a few days, and they were trying to treat me, and none of the treatments were working. Um, And it got to a point where... Um, they'd kind of done everything that they could and also because they didn't really know what was causing it if you don't know what the cause is it's very difficult to actually do something about it all you can do is like the surface level stuff Um, and so they ended up taking my parents aside and telling them like listen we've done all that we can do she isn't getting enough oxygen Um, so kind of just go home and rest and we'll call you if she doesn't make it Um, which was obviously, like, a very hectic thing for them to hear and to kind of try process. Um, And then, miraculously, I think that same night or the next day already, the um, medication started helping and I started recovering. And a few days later, I was out of the ICU and in a normal ward. And then just a few days later, I was... um, I was... Sorry, I'm getting distracted. I was... (laughs) Sorry, I could see them, like, motioning. Anyway, um, and then I was out of hospital, like, on Christmas Day. So it was a very short, dramatic time period of, like, two or three weeks. Um, And then after that, I didn't really realize what had happened. When I was in the hospital, I was unconscious or, like, 
out of it because I wasn't getting enough oxygen. So I was just completely delusional. So um, it was only once my family and my friends started explaining to me what had happened that I realized, like, oh, okay, this was actually a really big deal. But life still kind of continued quite normally. Um, the doctors thought I was going to take six months to recover, but it only took me about a month. So... My parents had suggested that I take a year off from varsity, and I was just like, no, why is everyone making a big deal about this? I'm fine. And I'm naturally a striver. So I love like making lists and getting things done and being productive. And it can often, I can be quite like religious in that sense. And then God has to kind of just remind me, like, Dom, chill, I love you already. Like, you don't need to earn my love. And I really think looking back now that this whole thing was just a big way for him to be like, you really need to stop trying so hard and just doing things. Um, so I think with the first time that I got sick, he probably hoped that I would be like, okay, cool, maybe I should take a year off. And for some reason, that penny just didn't drop. Um, and so um, I think about three or four months after I got out, the trauma only really hit me. And I found myself experiencing PTSD, so that's post-traumatic stress disorder. And it's basically your body is in constant fight-or-flight mode. So that mode that you go in when you think you're about to die. So I was just constantly on edge. I had like really irrational thoughts. I thought at any moment something was going to happen that was going to kill me. So I would literally, I remember telling Jess I was walking down Clove Street the one day and I saw a um, statue of a rhino and I honestly believed that the rhino was going to wake up and chase me down the street. Like I was just going completely insane. And um, just also like with like some like symptoms of depression as well, just like not wanting to get up in the morning, I kind of just reasoned that... I had, nearly, I had almost died in December, so if I had died, I wouldn't be here. So why does any of this matter? Like, why do I need to do anything? And so all of that kind of striving nature that I had before and that I had to kind of um, put all my trust in, I couldn't anymore because I just lacked all willpower to do anything. Um, and it was during that time where my, my mind was so wired, like I couldn't even focus enough to read my Bible. Like, all I could do was worship and Jesus was really, like, the only solid thing I could hold on to. I didn't have any stability in my life. Like, also very soon after coming out of the hospital, like, four days later, my parents had to move from Mulnerton, where we had all lived together for years, to Robertson, which was, like, two hours away. So it was just, like, this very chaotic time. So I really only had God. Um, and it was actually um, the song, It Is Well With My Soul, that really changed things for me and just singing that over and over again and actually just getting to a point of I'm actually content with what's happening. Like, it's okay if I'm... Not that it's okay. Like, you can obviously you hope for freedom. But it's okay that I need to go through this. It's okay that I'm feeling depressed. It's okay that, like, I can't get things done that I need to get done. Um, I have Jesus, and that's enough. And I just... It got me to a point where I'm kind of like, if I go through a bad season, I go through a bad season with Jesus. If I go through a good season, I have Jesus. Like, whatever happens, I have Jesus. If you have Jesus, you've already won. Yeah. Like, nothing can break you. And if you yeah. do die, you still have Jesus. So, it was, yeah. So, that was a really good thing to learn. Um, there was one more thing I wanted to say that has now left me. Yeah, I can't remember. What else? If it comes back to you, <laughs> okay. just interrupt me. But I, I want to just mention that, I mean, if, if you'd asked me... If you'd asked me two years ago, so this happened three years ago. If you asked, and, and I, well, almost. I remember, I remember mm. this all happening just before Christmas, and, and I remember your parents um, 
going home, not knowing, is our daughter going to live? Is she, is she going to die? Which if you're a parent, you understand that that's very traumatic. Um, so if you'd asked me two years ago what the testimony year is, I would have said the testimony is that she was saved, that she, that she uh, because still, uh, to my knowledge, to this day, the doctors still don't know exactly what the problem was. And, um, and, in, and in that particular evening where things turned around, like it was completely out of Dom's control. So yeah, you're, totally. you're unconscious. The doctors don't know what's going on. There is no explanation for why everything's failing and now for why everything is, is actually turning around. So if you'd asked me two years ago what the testimony is, I would have said that that was it. Listening to Dom now, I'm saying that's actually the small part of the testimony. The, the big part of the testimony is, again, is hanging in and letting God do the actual work that he wants. Now, we're not saying that God caused any of that, but we're saying that God wants to cause it all to work mm. together for good. Yeah. And, and that can often sound like such a cliche. Um, I just, it's like, I mean, we didn't plan that the testimonies would largely kind of follow the same, the same theme. Um, I just feel like people need to be encouraged that, that so often we pray that God will change the circumstances where God's actually saying the circumstances are exactly what we want them to be, you should be praying that, that, that I, I help you to be changed. You know? so, so we want the circumstances to change. God wants us to change. And not in, a, and not in the sense of a parent that's angry and ugly and, and can't stand you and wants to change you. No, in the sense of a parent that wants to help, help you find freedom and help you work through stuff. And so I just think it's such a great testimony. Um, and again, there's been patience and perseverance. If you'd asked Dom after the first year, it would have, it would have been a very yeah. different story. Also, just to add, this whole thing of like being content in a difficult time period does not mean that you're happy. So it's yeah. that whole thing of like having joy yeah. doesn't necessarily mean that it's like easy or that you know what to do. Like you could be a to- at a total loss for what to do. And I think that God sometimes also doesn't necessarily want you to do anything. Like I, at that point, needed to get to a point where I was like, okay, I'm actually going to do nothing and just let God be God and stop trying to be my own savior. Yeah. And one other thing that I was just reminded of now while you were talking is that, (laughs) thank you, and this actually wasn't it, but um, there's so many things that can come out of your, like, trauma that you're experiencing. So for me, like Jason was also saying how for um, your family, it can be so difficult as well. So when I was in hospital, that wasn't difficult for me at all. That was really difficult for my parents. And, like, my dad, who was unsaved at the time, like, that, like, rocked his whole world. And literally, I was thinking about this now when we were advertising Christmas spec. Last Christmas, my dad came to Christmas Spectacular, and that was, like, a really big deal. Jason and I were like, is he going to rock up? Is he going to come? He hates church. The whole time I was sitting there, like, is he laughing? Is he enjoying it? Guys, this whole year, he's literally, throughout the course of this year, he started attending church. He's in a life group. He got saved. He got baptized, like, two weeks ago. Like, and all of that... Yeah, and I think all of that really started with like having to realize, wow, I could actually lose my child. Yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah, it's not just it. your own like testimony that's going to yeah. come from it. Like so many other things can come from it as well. So come on, have you been encouraged? I hope. Uh, thanks, Dom. I hope. I hope that it's maybe stimulated something for you as well. Uh, we're going to thank all of our friends that you guys can go and, and grab a seat while the worship team comes up.